Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. When you read the end of the book, we win. When you look at how God's made us, he's made us to be victorious and to win at every single turn. And there's this delicate balance that we need to hold because the Bible clearly tells us that the enemy has been defeated. And so Jesus has defeated him, but we also understand that he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and we are not supposed to be ignorant of his devices. It's really important that we understand that. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 says this. It says, For this reason the Son of Man was manifest, and it was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, that's quite a statement to say, For this reason he was manifest, and it was to destroy the works of the devil. And there's a lot that's involved in that, but I'm telling you now, all of the things that the enemy has been doing, he's not going to bring against us. You know, he's the accuser of the brethren. I got news for you. He can't bring accusations against us, and they stand. He just can't do it, praise God. I actually, what's interesting, and I won't dare go into any details of this, but about a week ago, um, I was in my office, and I was just praying, and I actually, the Lord has specifically shown me some particular uh, demonic spirits, and I'm not going to go into details about that either, that are, that are really assigned against us. And if you don't think that's a reality, uh, you need to understand something. This is a spiritual battle that we're in. It's not a physical battle. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And I remember one of the, one of the things that the Lord showed me was that one of, the, one of the demonic spirits that will often come against a work of God is slander, that, that the, the enemy will come in and slander and bring accusations. And, you know, sometimes it will come through people, but sometimes it will come in your own mind. I've had the enemy, at, especially at weaker times in my life and in, in years past, would come, come in and bring accusations against me and accuse me of things that Jesus has already set me free from. Accuse me of things from my past that God has already set me free from and delivered me from. Amen. And that, that form of accusation can take on a lot of things. But you know what? Jesus is our defender. I love that song. And I started getting that word about the Lord being a man of war before she sang that. And I thought, that's just perfect and just fitting. Jesus is our defender. Amen. I know we didn't have the words up there. I don't remember what all the words are to the song, but I believe that. So we need to, we need to have an understanding that we are in a battle Man, that's so important that we understand that. And it's not for fear's sake. It's not so that we'll be concerned, but it's so that our eyes are opened up and we're not ignorant of how the enemy works. And I'm going to minister something that I've basically ministered probably two or three times a year, and I'm at least going to touch on it tonight. Um, and I've ministered two or three times a year since the conception of this church, and I just minister it more powerfully now, I think, than I ever have, and I'm more convinced of it now than I ever have. There's a couple main ways that the enemy comes in and works to bring destruction in people. Number one is that he'll work in your mind. And we've all heard the probably teaching on like the, the mind being the battlefield and the battleground, and I believe that 100%. And if you can get control of your thought life, then you'll stop the devil at every turn. Because the way that he works in your life, and, and if we just all be honest, he works us over sometimes in the way that we think. We get into a lot of doubt, a lot of unbelief, a lot of speculative imagination. Anybody ever been there before about speculative imagination? I was talking to a pastor friend of mine one time, and I was just telling him about how the Lord had been revealing to me about uh, how I was being too speculative in my imagination. And what speculation is, is that you're in, you're in the fear, you're, you're, you're fearful about what may or may not happen concerning things in, in the future. 
And I was into a lot of speculation, and I was just telling him this. And he said, oh, man, and he's a pastor. And he said, pastors are the worst at that. And I said, well, you're not really encouraging me. I know. I've been struggling with this. But it's, you know, there's just always, there's always something that you're wondering how it's going to turn out around the horizon. And, man, we have to stay away from that stuff. We can't. Sometimes we can only see so far. And if that's as far as you can see, that's all you need to worry about because God's got it taken care of. Amen. And we just, sometimes we're such of the frame of mind that we want to have A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way through Z, all figured out before we're willing to step out and trust God. And we can't do that. We just have to trust God every step of the way and not get into a place to where we're speculating about how the, what the future is going to hold. This past year, and in this upcoming year, is going to be even, it's going to even be more off the chain, but this past year, we, Liz and I have just stepped out and done things that it was like, well, this, I hope this works, <laughs> you know, but the Lord's telling us we knew it would, uh, but the Lord was just telling us to do it. But we, we had temptation, probably more me than her, because she's way more pure and holy and stronger and more faith than I am, I guess. But anyways, I struggled at times getting into speculation, like, man, I don't know how this is going to work and try to figure out A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You can't do that. When God tells you to do something, whatever you need to know, if you stay tuned into him, he'll tell you what you need to know. And what you don't need to know, you don't need to know, and he'll tell you whenever you do need to know that. Amen? If God were to tell us everything about our future, we would do one of two things. We would either say, awesome, thanks, God, and we would just run with it on our own. And I guarantee you, we would screw it up. (laughs) We would do that, or he would tell us about our future in detail, and we would look at it and go, whoa, get behind me, Satan. I can't possibly be going to be doing that thing in my life. Amen. Because God's got big, huge, amazing things for us. And uh, if we were to really get a full glimpse of it, it would just totally freak most of us out. So I look back for mercy's sake. I think about where I am now and I couldn't have even conceived it, you know, two, three, four years ago. And I think it was the mercy of God that he didn't tell me everything that I was going to be doing even right now at this moment. Otherwise, I probably would have taken it and gone a different way. God's really, really smart in how he leads us. We don't have to know every single step along the way. We just have to know that he's our God. We have to know that he's a good God and that we hear his voice. And when we follow him, the voice of another, we won't follow. And he's going to lead us into good stuff. He's going to lead us into the greener pastures. He's going to lead us into victory. Praise God. So we just need to just trust the Lord in everything that we're doing. Hallelujah. And if we step out, and I mean, honestly, that's what a lot lot of faith is, is about, is about stepping out. And just obeying his voice, even when you don't see it all right in front of you. I mean, that's really what the faith walk is all about. But it, for him, it's the journey. We, we really don't know how much God loves us. We really don't. Because for us, it's like we're always, you know, wanting to have the success. We're wanting to have the ministry take off. We're wanting the business to go where it's supposed to go and all that stuff. And the Lord wants us to have all of those things, but he doesn't want to lose us in the process. He's, he cares more about us than he does anything else. You know what the Lord spoke to me, and for those of you that, that don't know this, because um, I see just a couple fresh faces in here tonight, but the Lord has moved our church in this past year into some amazing things concerning dreams, and so we have these prophetic dreams. And so I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why, why do you, because a lot of times the dreams, 
they are, when you get the revelation, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I got this. Otherwise, this is going to be a really bad situation. And I asked the Lord, I said, God, why are you telling us such important things? But the dreams are, they're almost, you have a dream and it's almost never what you think it is. It's like, it's like you have to decode the thing. So I asked the Lord, I said, why are you telling such important things in something that's, it's like in parable form. And he said, that if I were just to, just to tell you, just to give you the revelation, just so your eyes just seen it right off the bat, he said that would be like going to a five-star restaurant and getting the meal to go. See, he's interested in us coming and dining with him and getting all of the things, not just the actual substance, but the experience that you'll have along the way with it. He's really interested in that. So listen, don't be afraid to just be on the journey with the Lord, whatever it looks like. And I know for me that I've got certain things that I've seen in my future for me personally and for ministry and things that God's called me to do and where he wants me to go. And, and I don't mean away from here, but just things in, in the spirit and things in ministry. And I have a tendency to be like, man, I'm, I'm looking. I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm older than I used to be. And I think, man, I got to get on it. I got to get this. I got to get that. And the Lord's just saying, no, just relax and enjoy the journey and enjoy where you're at right now. All the in, See, it's the Lord is the one that brings the increase. You don't want increase before it's time for the increase to come. If you have increase before you're ready to have increase, it's going to mess you up. You won't be able to handle it. Amen. So enjoy the journey where you're at now, no matter what it is, no matter how small it seems to be, just enjoy where you're at right now. Praise God. That's good wisdom. I want to go back to Ephesians here and, and share a couple things here. So in Ephesians, this is my favorite book. For those of you that don't know, if you've heard me more than three times preach, you probably already know that. I love this book. It's a book written to the church for the church. It's, it's the greatest. If people, if, if the body of Christ could get a hold of the book of Ephesians, this is a strong statement, but I'm just going to say it. If every one of us in here had a hold of the revelation from Ephesians 1, chapter 1, and, and chapter 6, all the way through verse, however many verses there are. <laughs> I obviously don't know it as well as I should. Verse 24, if we knew all of it and really had a great revelation of it to its full, we would never have any problems, defeat, issue, or anything in the church. That's quite a statement, but I believe that. I believe that concerning this book. And here's what I want to tell you. The first three chapters in the book of Ephesians all deal with who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. It's about your spiritual makeup, your identity, how God relates to you, how he sees you. And Paul prays and says, I pray that your eyes are opened up to see who you really are and who he really is, all that stuff. But then it shifts gears and it switches in Ephesians chapter 4. And it talks about, it starts to go into talking about relationships in Ephesians chapter one, uh, 4 and verse 1, it says, I, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, and I'm going to get back to verse 6. Didn't I tell you, or chapter 6, didn't I tell you to go there? Okay, well, I'm in chapter 4 now, so whatever, just follow me. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so here he shifts gears in chapter 4 in these first few verses, and he continues that all the way through Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 9 and dealing with every kind of relationship you can think of. There's two main ways that the, that the enemy will come against you. Number one is in your mind. I already mentioned that. The second way that the enemy will come against you, listen, do not be ignorant of his devices. 
I've just come to the conclusion that I don't really care. I'm just going to preach this every time the Lord says, son, I want you to minister on this. I'm just going to minister on it, whether I get an amen or I get any like, oh, we've heard this before. I'm just going to go ahead and share it anyways. The second way that the enemy will come and bring destruction in your life are the relationships that you have. In many of those relationships, the destruction, it can come through, through wrong relationships. And so sometimes people have wrong relationships that they need to cut those things off. But that's actually not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about godly, God-ordained husbands and wives, uh, children and parents, brothers and sisters in the Lord, pastors and elders, and all of the people, all of the saints in the household of God. The enemy will come in and bring destruction in your life and stop a work of God faster than anything you can think through relationships going sour. Folks, we have to have our... We have to be fully on the tip of our toes when it comes to relationships all of the time. And I'm telling you, this is preemptive. And even I think in the, it was in Laurie, I think she said it the other day in the prayer, um, in the prayer meeting, something about me having, being able to see and discern things when the enemy would try to throw things my way. I'm paraphrasing a little bit what you said, but there, you said something to that effect. Well, the Lord just dropped this in my heart during worship that I need to share this, and I'm being preemptive. Understand this. Hear me in this. You will have things come against you from people probably sitting in this room and some of the ones that aren't here that would come on Sunday or whatever in this church you will have things come against you, I promise you. And you say, well, you shouldn't be prophesying negative things like that. No, I'm just telling you how the enemy works. That's how he works. How many, how many churches and works of God that were tremendous that we've seen and they got destroyed because some knuckleheads didn't understand how things really work? Amen, I don't believe that we're knuckleheads. We understand how things work, praise God. You know, and, and actually, knuckleheads, there's another word for it, it's called meathead. And the Bible, it's kind of funny, but it's, it's true. The Bible says that to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Well, that word carnal there means, um, it means of, of the five senses, and it means of, of flesh. So literally, if someone's being carnally minded, they're being a meathead. That'll help you remember that. Because see, when it comes to our relationships with people, we cannot afford to be meatheads. We cannot afford to be carnally minded. Because the people that are sitting next to you, the people that you walk with, the people that you live with, the people you're a pastor, you, the people that you serve with, all of that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the church in specific right now. Anybody that's associated with what God's doing here. Man, people, I, I don't know why I got this on. Jesus, everybody knows where I'm at. Why are they texting me? Anyways. So probably not at church. Maybe I should text them back. <laughs> so you should be here. Anyways, we have to be fully, fully aware of this or else we make ourselves susceptible to the enemy coming in and actually using us as a tool to bring division for what God's doing. Understand this and mark my words, what God's doing here. It's, it's not, all, all I am, all I am is just a mouthpiece and a tool. I'm nothing I'm nothing special. But what he's doing here is so mighty and so significant. And I think most of you believe that now. There's a while, for a while, I thought, Lord, I don't think, when I say that, I don't know if they really believe me or not, but I really believe it, and so I'm just going to keep saying it, and hopefully they'll believe it with me. 
It really is an awesome, mighty thing that God's doing here. So why wouldn't the enemy come against it? How does he work? He's going to bombard you in your mind. He's going to come against your, your thinking. Get your thought life in order. Praise God. Nobody can jump in your mind and make you think right. You have to, to bring that before the Lord and ask him to help you. And you just, you think right. Think according to the word. Think on things above. All of that kind of stuff. But when it comes to relationships, you have, you have to watch out. You have to be very careful. And the thing you have to be careful about that we have to be careful about more than anything is that when people come against us, when people do things, most of the time, most of the time, it's not intentional. Sometimes it is, but most of the time, it's not intentional. And so with that in mind, we, we go back to this passage of Scripture. If we just understand what the Word says, it will fix everything. It will keep us out of all of harm's way. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, 2, and 3 I just read tells us to bear with one another, keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. You know that we already have a unity because we've all been baptized in the, into, the same, into the same body. We all believe in the same Lord Jesus. There's a unity that's already there. He says keep that unity. Understand that you all, all already have some common ground there. And he goes on talks about these relationships. And all of a sudden in verse 10, of Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, why would he be talking about this, about spiritual warfare, right at the end of talking about relationships? I'm not going to take time to go through and read this, but know that it talks about husbands, wives. It talks about the church and relationships in the church. It talks about uh, children and parents. It talks about um, uh, employers and employees. It talks about the scope of pretty much everybody you would have a relationship with. And then, then he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. See, most of the time we take this passage of scripture and there's a place for it in spiritual warfare, and there's a right way to do spiritual warfare. But a lot of the spiritual warfare we need to do is just simply by how we treat people, by how we respond to people, by how we respond to situations, by what we do when people don't do things right. Listen, it doesn't matter if the people sitting next to you do things right or not. We have a responsibility to do things right. If they wrong you, it's probably not intentional. We actually have a responsibility to make things right with that person. I'm going to show you here in just a, min a minute. We actually have a commandment from the Lord to make things right with people. We're commanded to make things right. We, we, can, we cannot afford to have any disunity in what we're doing. None. We cannot afford it. Otherwise, we leave a crack and opening for the enemy to come in. Disunity cannot stand. It can't. You know, what I found is that there's a lot of people that they've forgotten. They've forgotten, I don't say forgotten, but, but they don't know how to trust because they've been broken. They've been hurt. They've been whatever. And you know what? I've been through plenty of stuff myself that would, that would cause me to go, I don't really want to trust people anymore. But I got news for you. You cannot do what you need to do. And God can't use you to do what you need to do for him without having unity with people. And you cannot have true unity with people unless you have a level of trust in them and they in you. And you have to realize the trust that we have is because of who our king is, who our commander in chief is. It's not because of the perfection of our flesh. Because I got news for you. There's not anybody's flesh in here that's been perfected. Everybody has flesh issues. So he goes on to say here on the right here, to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Why would he say that here? Because the automatic temptation 
when we hear somebody say something about us or somebody does something to us. And listen, let me say this too. Not only when it's unintentional, but even when it's intentional. What is unity worth to you? If, if people are intentionally doing something wrong, if it's in the church, let me handle it. If it's outside of the church, let God handle it or however that needs to work out in that situation. So what I'm saying is if somebody's causing disunity, I'll take care of it. I don't have any problem doing that. I used to say that I'm a pastor is, you know, a pastor's main job is to feed, to lead, and to protect. And I used to say that it's 80% feeding, 10% protecting, 10% leading. I can tell you now it's like 75% protecting. And I've got, I've got watchmen on the wall and I keep my eyes open. And when I see, and I don't, we don't, I don't, we don't really have a lot of squirrely people in here anymore. Man, I'm thankful for that. Most of the meatheads are gone. I'm serious. I'm so thankful for that. But if I see anybody acting, what's that? Amen. If I see anybody acting squirrely or like a meathead, I, I heard, I already explained what a meathead is. It's being carnally minded. I jump on them like a chicken on a June bug. In love, but I'll do it because I don't want disunity in the church because it disrupts the flow of what God wants. And I mean, I walk in love with people all the way out the door if I have to, but they will go out the door if they refuse to walk in love with people. So whether, here's the deal, whether it's unintentional, which I would say is probably 98 or 99% of the time people do and say stuff, they're just being fleshy. Man, I've been fleshy. I've had times in the last month, I'll say last month, that sounds pretty good, but probably in the last couple of days where I've had to actually go and say, look, I didn't say that right. I didn't come out of my mouth right. I apologize. Will you please forgive me? I was wrong. And I want to make sure that things are right between us. You know, that's a lost art in the church, just going and saying, I'm wrong. I am wrong. Everybody makes mistakes. Amen. And if we keep, if we stay humble with one each other, with one another like that, there ain't anything the Lord can't do through us. He can do anything through us. Powerful, mighty things. Uh, amen. So you have to look at people when they're doing goofy stuff and say, they're not the problem. My fight really isn't against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand, stand therefore. And it goes through the whole list of the armor of God. So put on the armor of God. All of that is, is descriptive of how you, how you think and how you position yourself with people. And just understand that attacks are going to come. If you're going to do anything for God, you're going to have attacks come against you. I can promise you that. If you're not having any attacks, you probably need to turn to the Lord and say, God, am I really doing anything you know, significant here? I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't believe for peace, amen? I like when we have peaceful times and everything is going good and smooth. But eventually, you know, if, you're, if you never run into the devil, you're probably both going the same direction. So I totally stole that from somebody else. But anyways, I, I won't, it was Brother Andrew. I won't give him credit from this point on. It's, that's just mine. So it's just, that's just part of what, it, what it's like doing what God told us to do is that we're going to run into the devil. He hates us. He hates what we're about. And you know what I've come to find out? The reason why he hates us so much, he's jealous of us. He's jealous of you. Because he wanted the thing 
that you and I got, and that was to be like God. You know that we're created in his likeness and his image, all of that stuff. And when we've been born again, man, we're seated with him in heavenly places. We're not to be praised and glorified like Jesus. I don't mean that, but all of the same benefits that Jesus has, we have, we are joint heirs. We have all those same benefits. And you know, when, when Lucifer fell, he said that I will, I, I will make myself like God. That's the reason why he hates us so much is because we're like God and that's the very thing that he wants. So if you need your reasoning, there it is. So put on love and whip the devil's butt at every turn. Put on love and refuse to give in to the stuff that the enemy would try to bring through. People, mostly unintentionally, they don't know what they're doing. They just don't know. They're just meatheads. And really, that's the way to put it, probably more, even more scripturally accurate. Although, actually, meathead really is very accurate. I'll, I'll, I'll show you more one day if I need to. But they just have an unrenewed mind. They just don't know any better. They don't know any different. And if we'd be honest, we don't always know any better or any different ourselves. Let me finish with this. Matthew chapter 18. This is where I was going to preach. Let me give you this. We end at 835, so we have six minutes. Matthew chapter 18. And this is actually a commandment the Lord has given us, this whole section here on, on how to deal with people. Normally, where we would start in Matthew chapter 18 is verse 15. It says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Now, we're going to get to this in a, min- in a minute, but understand that context is king. And understanding Scripture in context is the best way to understand what the Scripture is really talking about and get the heart of it. Go back up to verse 10 and look at this. And to understand, just remember that man put chapter and verse in there. Nothing wrong with that, just for reference sake, but it should have a good flow to it. Look at what it says here. It says, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Has anyone ever read this verse in here and really ever sat and thought about this? Oh, let me read that again. It says, for I say to you that in heaven, their angels, who? Some of the ones that get despised, their angels see the face of God in heaven. I'll just go on and read. For the Son of Man has come to save that which, is, which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, Does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And then it goes on to verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, who's your brother? Your brother is one of the lost ones that doesn't know what he's doing, that did something that he shouldn't have done, that actually did something against you. The heart that we go to somebody to deal with them is just like the father would or a good shepherd would with the lost sheep. And we go to them with the heart of bringing restoration between us and them. Not accusation, but restoration. Most of the time when we go, just as Jesus commanded, and I'm going to get into this just for a second here, when we go, just as Jesus commanded, and we, which most people don't even do that, the body of Christ, this is a lost art, and it needs to be revived. 
But if we do, most of the time it's to go and point out what they did wrong. Now, when somebody does something wrong, if it's going to be restored properly, they need to know what they did wrong. Because if you don't, if you don't uh, help your brother or your sister see what they did wrong, you're actually doing them a disservice if you don't help them avoid that pitfall in the future. But your goal isn't just to make them understand what they did wrong. Your goal is to actually bring restoration to that, to that relationship. But listen to this. Trust is something by nature that cannot be built until you go through something. So when you go, not if, but when you go through something with people and you learn how to resolve those differences correctly, what happens is you get on the other side of it and you've gained that brother or sister's trust because you handled that situation correctly. That's really powerful. So then what happens, instead of having this divisive thing and this thing that could bring destruction because we're the mature ones and we go to them and say, I love you. This thing happened and I want it to be made right between us. You would be surprised that positive, proper confrontation can actually cause people to drop to their knees and repent many times. But then also they've gained a level of respect and trust for you that they'll walk more closely unified with you because they see that you're a person that's of integrity and is willing to make relationships right and to make them work right. Oh, man. So it says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. Notice it says between you and him alone. This is the biggest problem when it comes to people being hurt. You ever heard of Absalom in the Bible? Absalom was hurt by David, and in my opinion, David did wrong. He did, he did not handle the situation right. I'm not going to go into all the details of it. David did not do right, but Absalom was wrong in not going to David and saying, David, you wronged me. We need to make this right. What Absalom did is he actually went and he gathered people on his side to marshal against David. And do you know that most of the time when we get hurt, when we have things happen to us, what we want, because our immediate thing is justice most of the time over mercy, and that needs to flip. We need to be more merciful than we are seeking justice because that's the covenant we live in. But most of the time we lean towards justice. And so without even thinking about it, we go and we get one person to hear our story and they empathize with us and they go, boy, that really was wrong what they did. They, they should not have said that. Boy, they must be in a really dark place in their life. And then you get all the speculation and all this talk going. And for you know what, you've got two strong people against the one person that did something and they may not even know about it, to be honest with you. It's possible that they just said something because they were just being a meathead, right? They were just being carnally minded and they just made a mistake. And then next thing you know, you go out to lunch, you two, with, with some other person. And how's it going? Well, you know, it's, it's been going good. But, you know, Dane over here, he's just said something, and it just really crushed me. And da, 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 da. Next thing you know, you got three people coming to Dane or whoever it is. Not that you would do that. But any person, and you've got those people marshaled against that person, and it completely violates what the Scripture says. Go to them, and you go to them alone without anybody else. 
And if you can go and that person will hear you and you can make mends and you can make that right, you'll win that brother or sister over. You'll win them over and you'll mend the relationship. And that's what God's after. And the heart of it should be that, Lord, they did, they did something to me, but God, they did it because they, just like Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. When somebody does something goofy, you should say, God, they just really don't know what they're doing. Lord, help me go and make that thing right with them. I know they wronged me, but I want to make this thing right. Unity's at stake. Souls are at stake. The presence of God resting on us is at stake. God, I want to make the thing right. Amen. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Let me finish with this real fast. I'm a minute over. Give me one more minute. It says, but if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So the way that this just simply works, you go to the person if they won't hear. And I've had, I've had to do this whole process, not the whole process more than maybe a couple times, but the first two steps I've had to do quite often. And so if they won't hear you by yourself, then you go. And if it's, a, if it's a kind of thing, you know, if somebody just says something that they don't know, you probably don't need to go and make a big deal about it. But if they're doing something grievous and it's continuing to cause problems, you need to make sure that person knows what they're doing and, and gets corrected properly for it. But know this too, that you're supposed to go to a brother or a sister in the Lord. This is a covenant relationship kind of thing. This is about going to people that you have a relationship with. This is not about going and trying to fix everybody. This is about restoration happening in relationships, amen? And then it says, if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. There, uh, there are some people that have become that because they wouldn't hear the sound advice from me and from other people that would go to them and say, this is a problem, you're wrong, and you're causing problems. So that's an extreme situation, but that's what that looks like. But the heart behind the whole thing the heart, this is what I want you to catch. The father's heart is, this, is to see the lost sheep be brought back into the fold and to see restoration take place. That's God's heart in every single situation. And those are the steps that we take. And if you ever get to a point with the person to where they won't heed any of the instruction, then that's when you can cut them loose and they're, they're no longer part of the sheepfold. Because if people won't handle correction lovingly, then what you're going to find is you're going to find someone that's going to bring destruction distraction, disruption, disunity, and eventually ultimately cause harm within a body. But there's a process that you go through because that person is worth it to go to and try to bring restoration to them. Amen. Let me say one more thing about this that's extremely important. I just, I had so much and I just, this one last thing. When it talks about, or should I say this? I always ask that, and then I just say it anyway, so I don't even know if I'm really asking them or not, if I'm just thinking. There's a verse over in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 19. It says, and I'm not going to take time to turn there. You can look, but it says, it says that an accusation against an elder in specific should not be received unless it's established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. And that's taken from 1 Corinthians and also from Deuteronomy chapter 19. And so whenever an accusation of, of sorts, and you say, why are you mentioning this? Because I'm a pastor and pastors need to talk about these things from time to time. If there's ever going to be, and this is important, if there's ever going to be an accusation brought against any kind of elder, leadership, pastor, anything like that, it should be established by the mouth of two or three, I would say, credible witnesses before that thing should ever be brought to the forefront. There was actually a case where 
Brother Andrew was uh, years ago was ministering in a church, and there was an elder there who um, some sleazy woman brought an accusation against him and said that he did da 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 da, and there was no. There was nothing to back it up whatsoever, and there was no history of that elder doing anything. There was, there was nothing. And so the pastor obviously didn't know the word, and so Andrew came in, and he found out the situation. And from the pulpit, he called the pastor out, and he said, that elder needs to be reinstated because this one woman brought an accusation, and she has, she's very unreliable. Your elder's very reliable, and there's nobody else backing up her story. You need to reinstate him. And the reason that these things are set in place is because you better believe that the enemy will send people inside the church to try and discredit and come against God's anointed that he's got for the hour to bring about the the mantle and the mandate and the thing that he's trying to do. The enemy will come in and bring accusations, but there's also safety. So if you have some screwball in the pulpit and doing goofy stuff and two or three or four people find out, there's a way to get that person removed so that the work of God can continue. There's a safety that's there. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Love you. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at OCIPerryville.com.